Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast. It's Liz Loza, Matt Harmon, Brett Raider. Our fearless leader producing for us once again. Matt, how is quarantine day 11-ish going for you? Well, the days are all uh, essentially kind of (laughs) running together. Who knows at this point? I feel very fortunate that my stock of sweatpants has been sufficient so far to make it through this. But overall, I mean, it's weird. I'm definitely like, it's good, I think, that, you know, I've got a lot of time with the new pup to get her acclimated to society. Well, not society, but at least like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Distance from that, please. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not society, but, you know, things that aren't going to destroy her at every turn, which she is slowly but surely figuring out that, that, that pretty much everything is not out to get her. But, you know, for the most part, it's good. Just. I mean, just plugging along, I guess I I just, you know, it's, it's weird being on Twitter. Like I have to say, I think this is kind of a little meta, but it's a little weird being on Twitter and like seeing, you know, different pandemic projection projections sandwiched between you're sandwiching a tweet. That's like, are we sure that Henry Ruggs is the best third receiver in this (sighs) draft class? Like what the hell are we doing here? It, It feels a little strange, but yeah, welcome to your football podcast. Yeah, I mean, I think we're in a time where everybody is having their moments, right? Like, there are some days that I'm like, this is fine. Here's a silver lining. And there are other days that I'm like, we're all going to die. So it's up and down. Also, Matt, I do have to take issue with the fact that you're only wearing sweatpants. Because this morning, I said to myself and out loud, because I'm slowly unraveling, you know, people without kids are like working on that summer body. And people with kids are like, I'm never wearing pants again. Well, no, I I don't think that's necessarily – well, the two don't have to be mutually exclusive, right? Like, and also, let's be clear. When I say I'm wearing sweatpants, I'm wearing joggers, which is a very specific brand – yeah, a very specific brand of sweatpants that's like, look, I I can wear sweatpants but not look like I've completely given up on my life and, you know, I've launched myself into an alcohol-infused – you know, vacation of from regular (laughs) life and society. Although I guess we all have, uh, you know, left ourselves into a vacation of regular life and society. But but no, I mean, what's the point? What am I putting? Who am I putting jeans on for? What what, what's the point of if I'm going to I think the distinction is that you who does not have kids should be able to fit into your jeans when this is all over. Those of us with children, 
there's going to be a couple of days of lying down on my bed and like trying to get that zipper up for sure. I I completely understand. And I'm not it's not a uh, it's not an, an inability to fit into the clothes. It's more of um just a wantedness. Yeah, yeah. What's what's the point? Like if I'm going to be around my house all day, I might as well, you know, be comfortable. I de- I mean the fitness part of it is a little strange, right? Like I, I th- we were actually thinking about ordering an exercise bike for the house, not a Peloton, because oh, we're not, oh. we're not, we're not, uh, we're not elitists oh. like that. I'm talking like a hundred fifty dollar, you know, uh, bike to put in the guest room or something like that. But for the most part, it's like taking these online classes or whatever, or like you got, you know, if you if you've got the home gym set up before this whole pandemic situation. You're you're working on a cheat code, really, because it, it is definitely tough, like not having a gym. Uh, but we're making it work here. We're making it work. OK, well, that's that's good. I'm very I'm very happy for you. Could talk about crawl. this at forever, but I won't. Speaking of things and speaking of saying, what's the point? Let's talk about running backs. <laughs> awesome segue. <laughs> Todd Gurley, uh, who we talked about on last week's episode at the time, had been released from the LA Rams. And there had been rumors that Atlanta, the Falcons, immediately jumped on bringing him in, but the money just didn't seem to make sense. And yet, this team did manage to bring Todd Gurley back to the state where he became famous as a member of the Bulldogs, right? His name, his name is scrawled all over Georgia's record books. And he signed a one-year $5 million contract. I think, I think all told, this is a pretty good deal for both sides because for a minimal cost, you get you know, people are going to talk about, well, Todd Gurley's had these knee issues since his junior year at Georgia, the ACL tear there against Auburn, right? Like that game and all through the the Super Bowl run and last year and load, load management. But also there's a chance that he will be more fully recovered now. And it's only a one-year deal. And also just from a business standpoint, from a ticket sales standpoint, from a jersey gear standpoint, bringing Todd Gurley back to Atlanta makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, all told, he's making over $10 million from both teams combined here this year. Like, he's he's a winner, right? Like, I wrote up free agency winners and losers, and I think you can talk about the Rams as kind of a loser. Not necessarily because, like, losing Todd Gurley is this massive hit to what they want to be. Like, they're essentially paying him $20 million to go away. But I, I, love, I love this for Gurley because this is kind of, like, in terms of the money he got and how quickly he was signed, I definitely think that was a pretty big win for him. Like I, that's huge. And I love your point about the fact that this is good for the Falcons from just an intrigue standpoint. Like, I think I saw that graphic, you know, that the NFL put out, like, look at all these first round picks that the Falcons offense is playing with. And it's like, well, who gives a like Hayden Hurst was drafted in the first round. No one cares. Like, like it's great. Like, I still think they're probably a pretty good offense, but whatever. Like, but in, in, to your point, like, yeah, it's a great story too. like, I, I saw Gurley say that, you know, Julio Jones came to his house and checked in on him like after he got cut. And that was and that like started having the wheels in his brain turn like mm-hmm. Atlanta might be a great place to go back to. And, you know, I actually think if Gurley is physically at, what you know, whatever percentage you want to put at Give me 80 percent. 75 percent, 70 percent. Like this is a really good situation for a back that. Uh, you know, obviously has a lot of questions, but, you know, Devonta Freeman was essentially could have could have been, you know, that great bargain pick. But he looked like dust for most of last year. But 
really never had any true challenger step up. And as the roster is constructed right now, I don't see much of a challenge for Gurley here. So I think there's a chance he could be, you know, a good bounce back player at still just like 25, 26 years old here in, in his second home in the NFL. I agree. Um, and when we look at the numbers, obviously Freeman's departure opens up a lot of touches for Gurley. Um, Freeman averaged 17 touches per game last year. That was 13 carries and four receptions. He was the 20, uh, the RB 21 fantasy wise overall Gurley last year. You know, we think about the decline, but there was still some stability. He was still a top 15 fantasy running back. He also averaged 17 touches per game, 14 on the ground, two via the air. So while neither the Rams nor the Falcons run blocking units were particularly good, you'd have to say that the Falcons you know, we're, pr- we're pretty bad. Um, football outsiders <laughs> rank them <laughs> 24th. So very close to the bottom there. Um, but I do think, you know, there was, um, the first round pick from 2019 that Chris Lindstrom, yeah. who that the yeah. uh, Falcons had, like there's another year for him to marinate. And then they are obviously pretty confident in his abilities because they added Justin McCray, who was on the Browns to a one-year deal, but purely as a backup. So there's depth there. So I think that, you know, you we know they have a vertical attack with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley and now Hayden Hurst. And there does seem to be some tempting balance here. And so so I ask you from a fantasy standpoint, over under RB20 for Todd Gurley. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go. That's, that's a really perfect Me- one. Meaning over like is actually under, right? What? <laughs> I mean, like, I think. <laughs> wait, like, What? <laughs> Right. So over. Oh, no, no, right. <laughs> so if yeah, I mean, is the line over 20 is 21 and under. Yes, of course. Yeah, I'm going to go uh, under meaning like I think he's like running back, you know, 18, 19. Yes. Yes. Nice. You know what I was trying <laughs> to convey? Right. Like under yes. the number, but not under the threshold. Correct. Correct. OK. Correct. So uh, you would say under RB20. Yeah. I, I think say. like 18, 18, 19. That's per. That's like perfect for him. I have you seventeen know? in my notes, so we're about the same. Uh, we got to turn rankings same. in this week. What the hell is that about, girl? We're going to talk about that a little bit later. Close the show. It's a tease. It's already in the outline. Let's move on to Melvin oh, Gordon. God, Look at your me. face right now. By the way, I can like see you. <laughs> well, this is part of. I gotta. I gotta rank this year now. Like they're officially making me. Oh, rank welcome now. to work. <laughs> Gross. I, I like j- jokingly in a conversation with our boss, he said, uh, I don't mind putting this on the air either. He uh, he said, well, you know, you can start. It'll start out with just consensus ranks to so that you can start. I was like, well, cool. I'll have those and then I'll just hit submit. That's what you're getting from me. I think consensus is always almost accurate anyways, right? No, it's not. It's wild. <laughs> <laughs> it's wild because there's always these like people who are like, but I love Tyler Boyd. And you're like, well, I still don't think he's going to be the like wide receiver for this week. So ah, messes yeah, well, everything up. Ter- terrific. Uh, so let's talk about Melvin Gordon. Terrific. Indeed. Terrific. As John Elway would say, he was signed to the Broncos a two year, $16 million deal with 13.5 million guaranteed. Of course, you had all of football Twitter now clamoring about Philip Lindsay and guessing about Royce Freeman. I 
am not innocent here. I posted a Twitter poll asking where Freeman would go, whether he'd stay in Denver, what people thought if he'd go to Detroit, Buffalo, the Giants. This was pre-Deon Lewis, sexy signing. Spicy. Um, so uh, the, the winner was Detroit with 44%. Um, and then, you know, Buffalo was uh, second place and then Denver third. I, I don't know. I mean, the Royce Freeman part of it, I don't know where what I I can't imagine that there would be anybody like clamoring to trade for Royce Freeman. I mean, maybe someone flips like a late round draft pick or something and brings yeah, him like in a his sixth depth, or but... a seventh. Detroit makes sense if they're going to willing to flip a six or a seven to back up carry on Johnson. You've got a defensive minded coach that wants to very, very emphatically run a run first offense. And you know that carry on like can't stay healthy as much as you like him and his pad level is a little bit problematic. So Royce Freeman landing there for depth. And a cheap pick makes sense to me. Yeah, I guess a late round pick's fine. Maybe even a swap of picks or something. I just don't think he has too much value. And I just don't think there's a lot of value in this situation. Like, I've already seen people cropping up with the debates of like, oh, I'm taking Gordon confidently over Philip Lindsay. Or, oh, no, Philip Lindsay's going to be way too cheap because of Melvin Gordon being there. It's like, who cares, man? Like, uh, there's just no – there's – to me, I don't think – I think your my perspective on this is I'm going to probably choose to not go crazy over either. I'm probably not going to have a strong take one way sure. or another because number one, like split backfields can be very valuable in fantasy. Like we've definitely seen times when even Melvin Gordon has been a useful guy while still having an Austin Eckler or a Danny Woodhead, you know, someone else kind of popping off in that secondary spot. But I just don't, I'm not confident that Denver is going to be that kind of offense. I don't I'm not confident that they have that type of line. I'm not That's confident. True. I'm not confident that they're like even if Drew Locke takes another step and becomes like an established good quarterback, I don't know that they have the collection of talent around him or that even at this point in his career, he's that type of guy that's going to have, you know, a top 15 offense that funnels two backs to relevancy. So essentially, I'm just I'm willing to be flexible in this situation to a point that I'm really saying like I don't care one way or another which of these guys I prefer I I just I'm not going to have that strong of an opinion on it well I, I think a couple of things it's not surprising to me that Denver made the signing when you look at Elway's more of a conservative old school coach obviously his head coach and and there's a, a trend right that defensively minded head coaches tend to lean towards a run first approach offensively so this makes sense for me, and it also makes sense because at the, you know this time, well, maybe last summer, heading into the 2019 season, we saw a lot of talk when Philip Lindsay was injured. I believe he had a wrist injury about how Royce Freeman was getting more receiving reps and how the team was concerned about Lindsay's durability because of his diminutive size. And so it, it does make sense to me that Denver made the sign. It's only a two-year deal, and we've seen what Gordon can do on the goal line and. and so all, I mean, the YPC is set aside because of the, if I have to talk about Melvin Gordon's YPC, because he's a goal line back and like the math behind that, I'm going to, I don't know. I, I don't want to say anything crazy because we're in crazy times. So I'm yep. just going to say, yep. I will scream. How about that? Um, there you go. <laughs> um, but I do think it makes sense. And also, you know, you mentioned the offensive line and I've heard that argument and the default is always like, well, it's not like the chargers had that great of an offensive line. However, he did have his fullback from college, Derek Watt, blocking for him, which I do think helped tremendously, even from we've talked uh, ad nauseum a couple of weeks ago about connective tissue and chemistry and timing and uh, relationships. And I think that 
probably benefited Gordon much more than anyone is talking about. So I agree that when you're looking at which which of these two running backs to favor, I, I would say that favoring Melvin Gordon makes sense if you're looking for like a who's going to get the mo- most touches. I think Gordon has the more reliable three down skill set. But your point about this not being a particularly per- prolific offense is one to consider when trying to sort these all together. And you know what, Matt, while you're doing your rankings. Great. Terrific. I can't wait to do that. To be clear, though, I do think this is a I think this is a good signing for the Broncos from like an NFL perspective. I think actually all of these signings that we're probably going to talk about over like on the show, they're really good NFL signings. I just think for fantasy, like I'm not going to it's great that the Broncos have another offensive piece of talent because I think Cortland Sutton's a stud. I think that Noah Fant has a lot of potential, and I think Lindsey's a good back. But after that, it's just not really nothing around Drew Locke. I um, mean, when they get Henry Ruggs, you know, yeah, it, and like I, the what the fifth? Sure. I think they have the fifteenth pick. The fifteenth like pick. The fifteenth yeah. pick. Yeah, and I think that's probably. I mean, everybody's projecting that one. That'll be great. But it just as it currently stands, any sort of offensive talent around your young quarterback is a good thing. So I think it's a good move for Denver. I just don't necessarily like. Think the like there's just no point I think in taking a strong st- stance in fantasy because who knows what could happen and usually debates that that start with well they're paying this guy this much money that means that th- it, it, you know yeah, usually but Lindsay those things was also yeah, you have to throw that argument yeah. you're totally right yeah. out the window because Lindsay was an undrafted free agent uh, you know on a rookie deal that he's, they're paying peanuts for so yeah correct let's who beat out who beat out a third round pick by the way you know like another correct. guy who had more juice behind him from a pure capital perspective. Absolutely. That amplifies your point. Let's do one quick over under, though, in terms of total carries. Okay. Because Lindsay has yet, he was supposed to be the pass catching back, right? The the back that they used on passing downs. And he averaged just 2.2 catches per game, um, even with his injuries. So let's, and and, and Melvin Gordon averaged about four receptions per game. Uh, over the past two years, even given his, you know, the the holdout at the top of the 2019 season. So total touches, Melvin Gordon, 17 total touches over per game, per game, game. average under interesting under Lindsay averaged 16 touches per game last year. I'm sorry, 14, 16 total, 14 carries, two catches. So 16 total. You think it's going to be well? Here's here's just the last two questions. I think this part is a little bit interesting, and I'm sure we'll talk about it a lot over the summer. Do you think this will be a three-headed hydra? In which case, under for sure. Or do you think Freeman will be out of the equation, whether he is on a different team or just left out in any real meaningful, you know, touchway? My, if I had to bet, I would say he's on the team but left out in any meaningful way, but still in enough of a way that it slices a tiny bit from each guy, like, you know, maybe one and a half carries per game or something right. like that. So then I agree with Touches. you under. I'm imagining a scenario in which Freeman is not on the team, in which case I would say probably like I sh- this like 17 and a half would be the line for me. And I, I could see Gordon, you know, averaging about 17 k- total touches a game. Makes sense to me. I mean, this is assuming health from Lindsay. Okay. Um, do you want to move on or do, would you like to talk more about the touches in Denver? Well, one more thing. No, yeah, I've got, I've got another <laughs> more to say about that. So let's talk about Cam Newton officially released from the Panthers. It is the end of an era. Now, he was 
gifted, I suppose, with the opportunity to seek out a trade, which seems a little backwards, but he uh, wasn't able to find any suitors. And then the team wasn't able to find any suitors, despite all of the tap dancing they did in Indianapolis in February. He's officially cut. He's obviously not happy about it. So is there now a situation where he is just a backup, which seems super weird, or do the Chargers go out and get him? I I don't know. I feel really this, – this situation gives me like a gross feeling in my stomach. Obviously, from like a Panthers perspective, this is just about like the stone worst way that the Cam Newton era could end. I feel that part, part of me feels like the team kind of did him wrong because, you know – I mean, it's great. Like he he's cut and officially can like search for his own team, but with just so many complications of what's going on right now, like facilities are closed, you know, like, right. and as much as like they well, can say he pass a physical on he Monday passed, though. Yeah. He passed a physical, but teams right. are going to want him to pass their physical. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's the, the problem. Like it's just, and it, it might just look, it might just be not even necessarily like the Panthers have done him wrong, but like the, it's just a, a cruel, circumstance. Yeah, a cruel twist of fate that this happens yeah. to be happening right now in the middle of this pandemic, like for for Cam Newton, and it's just bad universal timing for no reason. I just um, I, I know you made that point. Just real quick, I know you made that point, and it was very salient, and 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 it has shown to be absolutely correct. I just don't understand a world in which if somebody like if Spanos wanted to go get him. He certainly has a private jet. I mean, there's like a Southwest plane going over my house right now. Like flights yeah. are oh, not I get, grounded, you know? I, I, this is, I've got the perfect view of the airport right from my damn uh, home office here. Like I see planes going up and down every day. Like th- this, I, I feel like this is a very convenient excuse yes. for teams that aren't motivated or maybe are trying to make the situation so dire to save themselves some money and gain some leverage. I, I completely buy into that, too, that it's a bit of, like, plausible deniability that, like, ah, listen, we can't bring in a guy with injuries like Cam because you know, I can't get him into our facility. Meanwhile, your boy Nick Foles, you know, he had, like, a screwed up collarbone last year, you know? Like, there, right. it, it, there are guys getting signed, again, all in a, really a theoretical perspective, everything is here. Like, Todd Gurley can go out and flunk the Falcons physical and, like, finger, fingers freaking crossed, you know, a month or two. And then he's not even on the team anymore. You know, there's all there's all these things that are sort of c- kind of weirdly up in the air. But for Cam and 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 everything that that's going to go on there, like the problem is, you know, I talked about this before the free agency process even began, which is that there are too many quarterbacks available and not enough seats. Like at this point. Really, you're right. Like the Chargers are theoretically a seat open, even though they say we're good with Tyrod and then, you know, whoever becomes available in the draft. And I kind of buy that that is a way to go about it. Uh, The Patriots are obviously theoretically a spot open. And then really, like what else? What else is there? I mean, the Chargers, I think you're right. Like the Chargers are either sticking to Justin Herbert or Jordan Love or Jalen Hurts. And again, we talked about this last week. Like there are definite issues and disagreements about what kind, what style of quarterback the Chargers want and also their need to sell tickets because it is real. They are not selling like you're near the airport. Uh, back in a time when we were able to fly, you'll fly over the facility. It is being built. Its construction yeah. is still going. Yep. And the PSLs are not being sold for the Chargers. 
so Cam Newton would do that. He gives you the maneuverability in theory, again, based on this physical, whether he were to pass or not behind a shoddy offensive line. But, you know, I, I'm imagining Justin Herbert did show more athleticism at like the senior bowl and during that week of practice. And I'm being legit here, like because that was something yeah, he needed sure. to show more of his athleticism, his mobility, his ability to like run and stuff. It's the, so he was able to show more of that. But are, are you really going to like throw this otherwise kind of statuesque and I say statuesque because I'm I'm like the asterisk is for a quarterback in 2020 right they all can run a little bit now do you put that kind of quarterback behind that offensive line in your first year at this brand new stadium like that just seems wild yeah. to me right because I mean I mean they've done work on the offensive line the Trey Turner trade they made a signing in free agency like they've they've done some work they've got a big hole left tackle like it would actually make perfect sense like Go sign Cam Newton and then take one of these really good offensive tackles at yes. the top of the draft. But That's, I mean, that is exactly the move that I mean, whatever. I'm I'm not working in a front office. Um, you can hear a helicopter over my house right now. <laughs> Someone's flying. <laughs> 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 I, I think it's 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 tough. I think just the entire Cam thing is is really difficult because I just I really do struggle to find a landing spot for him. I actually think that like. Buffalo. I've seen this just kind of whispered about here and there. Like the Rams would be a fun spot for him to land in too. Like just it's a total wow. balls to the wall move. But what a way I to stick it to the Chargers too. Your theoretical right? crosstown rivals. Right, right. Like really, just like no, we're gonna we're gonna just do this thing. Um, it's just. But then seems... he'd have to wear that new logo on the cap, and I think oh, that would man. be. He wouldn't do it. He'd I... be like, nah, I'm not doing any promos with that with that weird Charger symbol. That back of the back of the president's hair uh, on their helmets there. Um, look, I got to tell you, like I fired up you can't Game Pass. You see it once you see it. Once you see it, you cannot you, unsee you, it. Like agreed. I don't care. I don't care where you stand politically. Once you see that, you cannot unsee that. Believe it. I, I, I tell you what, I fired up Game Pass this morning to chart uh, DJ Chark for reception perception and woo, seeing that Rams logo populate like on the, on the game grid or whatever uh, for whatever week I was looking through the schedule for the Jaguars. It was like, ah, that's a little jarring. It's tough. It's a tough, tough look for our, for tough look for our Rams. The Rams are interesting. I've heard bandied about Buffalo because of the connection with Sean McDermott. Uh, I think they're too committed to, to Allen. The Jaguars are another one I've seen like light whispers on. Uh, doesn't make a ton of sense, um, considering they're Not kind of what like they just did. Yeah, they're like re, they're like shedding some salary. They're sort of they really look like they're going towards a full rebuild with a very cheap quarterback. Again, like the Patriots do stand out. I think that the Patriots make a lot of sense from just look like let's keep. I don't know how if you're a Patriots fan, you look at this roster and you're like. <laughs> you feel good at all like from an offensive perspective their depth chart is atrocious and I mean what I don't I don't know who Jarrett Stidham is I I don't I don't know anything about that experience why not look at a guy like Cam who Bill Belichick by the way has like I know he blows smoke every now and again you know but he's really gone into detail about how defending a quarterback like Cam is really challenging and I think that there's probably some excitement there that would make the Patriots offense immediately much more interesting but all of this with cam is is just really unfortunate that i think we're at this point like talking about like 
wow, let's find a spot for him here somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I would say that the last place that maybe he could end up is is in Washington, reunited with Ron Rivera. Like, give Dwayne Haskins some breathing room to kind of, like, figure yeah, things out. Kyle Allen is there now. I mean, that's the other wild thing. Like, how does Kyle yeah. Allen have um a larger trade value than Cam Newton? How does he manage to get more uh, chatter in the trade market than than Cam Newton. And I, I don't foresee a situation where Rivera is like, give me Cam and also his old backup. Now where I'm carrying three quarterbacks and we know that Dwayne Haskins is a little bit, you know, maybe not the most focused all the time, despite what Hale has to say. <laughs> Hale. Uh, <laughs> uh, Hal is how we would oh. pronounce it. Hell. Hell, thank you. Hell. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I think that Washington's interesting. Like the, the Kyle Allen thing, by the way, like the smart, the like smart man football take is, well, he's a very cheap contract and he knows the system. And that is why he was traded, you know, and Cam Newton has no trade value because he had a big, he had a big salary and a lot of injury questions or there are no, no such questions with, uh, with, with Kyle Allen, but like what the f- Kyle Allen's traded for a fifth round pick. Like that's kind of a haul for the Panthers to get for a guy that probably wasn't going to make the final 53. Like that's in it. That, that of all the trades, like, Again, I know there's like relative salary things, but my immediately thought my immediate thought was like Calais Campbell traded for a fifth round pick, yeah. Kyle Allen traded for a fifth round pick. What what world are we living in here? But I think we're living in Tepper's world. And that like like it or not, the the stones on this dude are enormous and he has been very clear about this being his project. Like he got himself the, the part I love about this, and let's use this tr- transition into, let's use this to be a bridge to Teddy Bridgewater, who is definitely also a bridge. I'll get into that in a second. But Tepper tapped a head coach who has branded himself as a maverick, right? Who has built his reputation at BYU on coaching up these underdogs Baylor. and castoffs. And so Tepper is like, this is my spirit animal. We don't yeah. need Cam Newton. We don't need the antics. Sorry, Greg Olson. I appreciate your time, but go find a booth or whatever, right? And this is a new regime. I'm putting my stamp on it. I mean, it wasn't even like, ripping statues down and stuff like this is his world and we are all examining it the fact that he could even get a fifth round pick you're right for Kyle Allen is evidence of his aggressivity whether that works out or he knows when to temper it at times remains to be seen but also taking Teddy Bridgewater and saying like oh I know I know the the narrative about this guy is that he's a manager and he's safe and maybe that remains to be true. And I think when you look at Robbie Anderson joining the team, you have you've got Curtis Samuel and Robbie Anderson. By the way, my apologies as a Samuel truther. Um, oh, don't worry. I have a full I have a full defense ready to go on this great. one. Don't worry. Um, when you add those guys and you look at Teddy Bridgewater's skill set, at least in recent times, they don't exactly align perfectly, and yet. Uh, to me, that indicates either Royals like, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring back like vintage Teddy, even though he never really was. Never like, really the was. Strongest yeah. arm yeah. quarterback, but fine. He could be electric at least before the knee injury. And also, he is a placeholder for what we are creating. And I've got a seven year long runway to do it. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that. The, why I like the Robbie Anderson signing so much, again, from like a real life football perspective and actually from a fantasy perspective in like a bit of a twist sort of way is number one, like this team needed more offensive juice because I like the wide receiver duo of DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. But there is absolutely nothing 
on that roster behind them. And even at tight end, Ian Thomas is intriguing, but I would still say unproven. Uh, and then it's McCaffrey and then pretty much no one else. Like that's a pretty solid core to work with. But then you bring in a vertical threat like Robbie Anderson to be your two or your three. And then that's like, that's exciting because we know that vertical threats like Robbie Anderson are natural coverage dictators. Like teams have to account for them. And this is a team under Joe Brady that wants to play that LSU spread style, you know, a little bit of a lot of three receiver sets, four receiver sets, a lot of what they did in new Orleans when Joe Brady and Tom and Teddy Bridgewater were both there. So I think that makes a lot of sense. You need to have a really good, and now more Samuel Anderson is a really intriguing three wide receiver set. And the good, I think this is, it's like more targets are or, or more targets to someone else and less targets to you are never a good thing from a fantasy perspective. But I think this is a good thing for Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore to shift into more respectable roles. Like Moore already had a pretty good role, but like Samuel last year was ninth in air yards. Like I think it's pretty well established when you watch him play. Like he can obviously he has speed, but I think what makes him a a great route runner is the separation and quickness on shorter routes. And I think Anderson kind of taking over that role and then allowing Samuel to move inside outside and use some of that quick separation will actually be a much better role than being a vertical threat in an offense with one of the worst, if not the worst deep ball quarterbacks in the NFL, like he was last year. So comp it for me. Are you thinking, so you've got Anderson as your X and more is your Y you yeah. can use Samuel as your Z, right? Yeah. And yep. then, I mean, what I'm hearing is like, again, like this isn't a straight copy and paste, but there is some overlap in terms of comparison between what Samuel could do and what Debo Samuel did last year in San Francisco. Yeah, something like that. I think even the more apt com- comparison, and this is the one that I've used before, like even last year, I think that Moore and Samuel are so similar to Thielen and Diggs and then yeah. you had sort of the other like the thing that Minnesota could never get and this <laughs> it definitely still don't have it is the <laughs> other guy you know like their ex receiver was some goofball like you know Michael Floyd Treadwell. or Treadwell who by the way a first round pick on the Falcons now let's go Atlanta Falcons all first round offense Pipe like in that noise woo, let yeah, right you don't even need to pipe in all that crowd noise now that you got all these first round picks but like I think that having that X receiver that dictates coverage on the outside based on their vertical ability is a really strong addition to this offense. And I think it's good for Teddy Bridgewater, who I do think is a smart, accurate, efficient quarterback. Now he has three strong receivers to work with. And again, I think this is like from a fantasy perspective, it's like Samuel Anderson, probably not going to be like a big boom or anything. But I think if we know what one of these guys is, we know what Robbie Anderson is. And it's that sporadic deep threat that's not really, you know, a guy that you want to funnel your passing offense through. I still think Samuel has untapped potential left in there, uh, especially in his contract year. He's a unrestricted free agent after 2020. And really, by the, by the, by the way, like the, my, my one point, like from a fantasy perspective too, like the player that this is really good news for is Christian McCaffrey. Because like if the Panthers were going to like straight up tank, you know, which their moves like Anderson, Bridgewater, these type of signings show they are absolutely not like just thrown in the towel. I don't know if there is a clear plan here or what that plan is, but I think it's definitely not let's be as bad as possible in 2020. And having someone to dictate coverage gets guys out of the boxes, 
gets guys out of the box, that's going to be really good for Christian McCaffrey, who is the fantasy player that we most care about in this offense. Absolutely. Do you also think, though, that, I mean, and this I don't think is going to move the needle for his fantasy stock, but I do think there's a world in which Christian McCaffrey doesn't draw as many targets as he did last year. There's a regression that, there. Yep. Yeah, I think that's possible. Like, there's always a chance that a player like McCaffrey catches 90 passes instead of 100 passes. And, you know, then you can, like, I don't, I think that McCaffrey will be the number one pick in pretty much every draft because that's just like the season he's coming off of. That's the way it is. But, I mean, even consider coming into last year, Saquon Barkley, I think, was the first pick in 75% of our drafts or something like that on Yahoo. And like, you know, it was the, like there was no need for it to be that wide of a gap, but so in any ways, my point is, yeah, we can probably have a real debate about is Saquon Barkley a better pick in 2020 is Alvin Camaro, you know, all these other possible guys you could debate with Christian McCaffrey, but in the, in the end, most people will side on McCaffrey, even if that's not the right answer. So the jets, don't have Anderson anymore. He has left for Carolina. You know, I just really want to use this line that Brett wrote in the outline. Like we got to this place without needing this transition that Brett wrote, but it is so good. I have to, I have to say it. So are you watching the Tiger King doc on Netflix? Because Robbie Anderson is joining, joining the jungle cat park in Carolina for real though. Are you watching the Tiger King? Uh, no, I have, I have not watching it. Matt. What are you what? doing? Like, how many how many f- lasagnas can you make? Like, Jesus Christ. How are you not <laughs> watching Tiger is, King? The Tiger King. Who, like, you will. Well, you know what? Congratulations, because you will be able to sleep at night. Congrats. You will never. If you aren't up with anxiety and insomnia because of what's going on globally right now anyway, then don't watch the Tiger King, because it will blow your mind so much that sleep will never come to you again. Yeah, I've heard a bit about it. And like, uh, um, we're we're considering starting it here at the house. But uh, I I haven't started it yet. We haven't started it yet. Um, been watching Schitt's Creek. It's a fun show. Cool. Uh, I Well, listen, what do I, I mean? Also, can we come back to the lasagna point? When am I making lasagna? I don't whatever the hell you're cooking. I don't know what you're you. You like recipes. I'm it's just, not lasagna. Like lasagna is like one that you can, you know, freeze in case of an apocalypse. So that's why I picked it. Well, don't worry. The freezer, the freezer is the fridge looks bad, but the freezer is stocked with a bunch of uh, interesting things. Very cool. You know, I didn't know how to make a lasagna. That's definitely not happening over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah. anyway, Robbie Anderson joins the Jungle Cat Park in Carolina. Matt's regrettably not watching Tiger King, but the Jets are happy to be adding Brashad Perryman, who over the last few moments, years slash moments, I feel like the last, over the past few years, he's been on a bit of a redemption tour and they've all occurred in the last moments of those years slash seasons. Yeah, yeah. flashes with the Browns and then again with the Bucks in 2019. I said in many, like those thousands of free agent pieces that I did, like we all should remember that like the last the two seasons at the end of the year, when he was called upon to be a solid contributor, Brashad Perryman was a solid contributor. Like and that, like, I thought that was an important reminder. Should he go to a team like the Eagles or the Packers? I don't know that it matters all that much in that, or even had, had he returned to Tampa Bay 
and been like Tom Brady's number three receiver, I think it would have mattered. I don't know that it matters all that much now that he's like a complimentary player on the Jets. Um, but it's an, it is a nice signing again in the real world because this is one of the worst wide receiver rooms in the NFL as it stands. And I want to r- run this uh, tweet by you because I got a little bit of heat from Jets Twitter. And, you know, you, uh, look, you're, you're embedded with both of these guys that I'm going to that are going to kind of catch a stray here, Liz, in this in this thought. Okay. I said on the 25th, whatever. Was that yesterday? That was yesterday. Oh, yeah. no, friend. I, have I, no said, <laughs> I said, considering all that the Browns, Bills and Ravens have done to surround Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson with talent at the skill position spots, it has to be infuriating for Jets fans to look at the wide receiver and tight end spots for Sam Darnold. Now, obvious, look, number one, what I learned was there. there's a mix between how Jets fans feel about this because some of them are like, yes, it's infuriating. Some were like, no, it's not. This is pretty standard business being a Jets fan. Everything is always terrible. And then there was a third section that was like, what are you talking about? Jamison Crowder's a stud. We have oh, one of the get best. The f- out of here. <laughs> oh, my God. Wait, how am I embedded with Jamison Crowder? Well, not that player. Oh. The next the thing that the people really took umbrage with was that I included tight end there. Like, we have one of the best tight end rooms in the NFL. Because of your boy, Chris Herndon, the Jets, have not, Jets fans have not let go that Chris Herndon and he may very, he may very well be. But I don't think you can sit here and look at what the Jets have right now. Like, yeah, Ryan Griffin popped for some games last year. Neat. And like Chris Herndon was good two years ago in his rookie year. Neat. He had exactly seven yards last season amid being suspended and injured all the time. Like, I just think when you look and when you look at their wide receiver room and I realize that there's a draft yet to come. And they could end up having Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb or whatever. And then then they're starting to build something decent. But it's just when you look at what they've surrounded Josh Allen with or Baker Mayfield and even Lamar Jackson to a bit of a different degree because they're very different quarterbacks. Like what the Jets have done for Sam Darnold is, you know, and they've got a lot of problems on the offensive line. Like it's just I, I've, I'm a little worried about the guy that he's not set up for success yet again when you're looking at Jamison Crowder and maybe – a good, maybe a pretty good version of Brashad Perryman as your one and two receivers. So it's interesting you said this because I am will be doing in the next week, uh, over the next week and throughout the NFL draft, which is still going on. Um, I'm doing these rookie snapshots of different players, and CeeDee Lamb is the first rookie that I will be snapshotting. And there's like, you know, pros, cons, overall take origin story background stuff like that and at the end there's a fantasy fit i will read you this one's already done it's not due for over a week but i like to work ahead wow overachiever Uh, well you know um i will read you the blurb i've written for the fantasy fit verbatim philip this is about cd lamb right and let's remember that the jets are picking 11th overall in the at the end of next month Philip Rivers would certainly appreciate a crafty young receiver like Lamb, but after trading away their first round pick to San Francisco in exchange for DeForest Buckner, I doubt the Sooner will still be on the board by the time the Colts pick. By the way, they have now, they're now in the second round is when they'll have their first pick. I believe 34th overall. Side note. The Jets, who are currently slated to select 11th overall, however, make a lot of sense. Given the weapons that franchises like the Cardinals and the Browns have surrounded their young quarterbacks with, it would behoove Grant Gang Green to do the same for Sam Darnold. We're on the same page. I Almost just was... exactly. I, I said Cardinals and Browns. You said other teams. 
Cardinals. I just I specifically grouped like that same draft class, uh, you know, and, and in that same draft class, I would have just, you know, done exactly what the NFL has done and forgets that Josh Rosen is even a person, uh, which is deserved, by the way. Like, how are we still doing this with Josh Rosen? By the way, like, I just was stunned that there are Jets fans out there that have talked themselves into like, no, nah, this is actually a pretty good group. I realize the draft is still yet to come. They could maybe they could maybe even double up at the wide receiver position in a very strong draft class. But like as things stand right now, you got to kind of be like, yikes, this is a rough group for Sam Darnold to be working with, because a lot of them also point out, well, we needed to we needed to fix the offensive line first. It's like, well, she ain't done that either. So well, you tried to do that last year and it didn't work out. The poor guy, like from mono to ghost, it's not been it's not been an easy ride for this kid. But they did get George Fant to be their left tackle from the Seattle Seahawks. And whenever you can take a Seahawks cast off to be one of your starters, that's always a good thing. Uh, speaking of cast offs, let's talk about Devin Funches because my oh my, Jimmy Graham, not a wide receiver, but also Devin Funches, not also really a wide receiver. Jimmy Graham leaves, Devin Funches joins. What an amazing weapon for Aaron Rodgers here. I kind of think this is like sneaky could be good, you know? I think this might be a uh, fine depth, but I don't, I mean, from a fantasy perspective, I don't like any of this. No, I mean, you, we wish, we wish Rogers was like rocking with a much better receiver core than Devonte Adams, Devin Funches and a bunch of dick, but or I think, the, I mean, or if you want to convert Devin Funches this late in his career back to being a tight end, like he was kind of in Michigan, then fine, let's do that. Yeah, I think there's there were times where Funches played pretty good as like an outside X receiver for the Panthers. Like he had mm-hmm. that one year in 2017 when he honestly he had a really had a really good season, you know. And then they phased him out of the operation. Like I don't think he's that good of a player, but I think there's a chance that this is. I think there's a chance Devin Funches could be better than Geronimo Allison, or I think there's a chance he could be better wow, than Marquez Valdez. That bar, that bar Way to uh, go look, out, I'm just saying. Way to go out on a limb. <laughs> if they don't, but if they don't crush the draft, you know, if they don't grab, if they don't double up at wide receiver in the draft, if Devin Funches is Aaron Rodgers' number three receiver behind Devonte Adams and uh, his Thanksgiving guest Alan Lazard, then uh, <laughs> you know Aaron Rodgers, Danica Patrick, and Alan Lazard having a three thank three person Thanksgiving there because no one else got invited. Uh, like I think there's a chance that that this is. Uh, a pretty good situation for Funches, and honestly if he's your number three receiver if he's healthy he was not healthy all last year you could do a lot worse do you know that Robbie do you know that um Aaron Rodgers and Danica Patrick bought Robbie Williams house in Malibu like they rented it all last summer and then went ahead and bought it and so they have like a Malibu Robin Williams like no Robbie Williams like the like the the singer from England Who's, I, don't, I don't even I don't even know who that is. I, like I barely know who he is. He was like a like a heartthrob, I think in the early aughts. Brett Brett probably knows better than me. Brett frankly. Brett probably has his full collection on vinyl. Maybe I think. maybe, but Robbie Williams. I don't know. He was like a like a British heartthrob singer type. He's like kind of busted right now. But I did. <laughs> I was on a hike once, and the person I was with was like, "Oh my gosh, that's Robbie Williams." And I was like, "I don't know who that is," which is why I knew who he was. When I saw the news that Danica and Aaron bought his Malibu estate for like $20 million. I don't, it's like a, I, that's maybe, maybe it's $10 million. I don't know. It's millions of dollars and it's like a five bedroom house. Shout, shout out to them. It's just, yeah. 
uh, it's it's hyper depressing to think about buying uh, things in on in Los Angeles. It's it's gross. Uh, so that's our show. Um, so that's it. For, <laughs> let's not end on a wholly negative point. Uh, Matt. Well, favorite- I, for most of, for most of the country, they're like, we don't give a shit about buying prices in Los Angeles. It's it's fine. Well, I mean, I don't know. No, probably don't want to buy anything right now. But yeah. Anyways, continue. <laughs> so. Just so we end on a nice note, listen, if you were just looking for fantasy information, you can you can stop listening now. Like we're we're going to tell you who to follow on social and promote some stuff. But Matt, uh, a moment of lasagna redemption for you and a moment to end on a positive note a month or so ago. I don't know when I can't remember the days um, you said that your favorite thing about the offseason was trying new recipes. So is there one that you have tried out that you've liked, especially in this time of in this time of being insular you will the, the best thing i think i've made since we've been uh self-quarantined or whatever is uh i have a big green egg the smoker uh oh, i smoked okay. the whole chicken that was pretty awesome but because most people don't have that i'll pass over that and i will share this is this is just no one's gonna like this but i think you might actually enjoy this liz because it is very uh california got my you know there's not much at the grocery store as i mentioned last i went there uh, got myself a bunch of gluten-free pasta because, again, the only thing that's left is gluten-free stuff. Um, and so had the gluten-free pasta, the uh, the grilled chicken, whatever. And then for the sauce of it, because I was like, okay, we're a little light on anything to make you know any sort of sauce, I made what is essentially like a non-dairy, uh, almost like an Alfredo-type sauce. Oh. Uh, it had avocado, coconut milk, olive oil, garlic, parsley, I think – that's it but it was honestly incredible that was probably the uh the best like best thing that i've never made before that i have made Mm -hmm. in quarantine that pasta dish came out really well and like and the sauce you know again i said to my girlfriend i was like imagine if we ate like regular pasta and then like an actual alfredo sauce like how much we'd feel like right now but felt pretty good after the gluten-free and the uh you know avocado coconut milk based Alfredo-ish was the, sauce. Was the pasta that bonza pasta? No, it was actually like needed to be refrigerated pasta. That's the oh, reason that that's okay. that's the reason that's the reason I was able to get it. Because you know, obviously, everyone is grabbing all the non-perishable stuff uh, to stock up for you know the non-food shortage that we have here in LA. Uh, and I think that, but no, the bonza stuff is great. By the way, I, I, that was very good. Well, I like that a lot. I haven't been able to yeah. find any of that at the market though. <laughs> nope. Uh, the, the one thing, so <laughs> yesterday I decided to bake, which is a sure sign of the apocalypse coming, coming. Um, and we have this kumquat tree and like, what the F do you do with kumquats? I am doing things with kumquats. The thing I did though, I made a kumquat almond tea cake and like, s- s- like reduced the, the fruit and used a paring knife to get the seeds out and pureed it. And I was just like, Yes. I'm going to do this. All of my type A energy is going right into this six by three loaf of kumquat almond tea cake. And then this morning (laughs) I gave it to my kids for breakfast. My six-year-old took one bite, spit it out. And he was like, mommy, this is sour. Oh, come on. I know. And I was like, (laughs) bro, there's like no flour at the grocery store. I have to use almond flour to do anything. And I was like, what do you mean? This is like artisan pound cake like eat it <laughs> and he was like no i'm, I'm like fine well that. good luck buying cereal kid anyway yeah. it's been a great day 
I also, because that happened, then decided to make kumquat infused vodka. So I think hey. I should probably just stick to spirits. There we go. Shout out to uh, the kumquat tree for at least making a good uh, drink. <laughs> drink. Well, that right. is that is one thing that I think uh, it's like, I'm, you know, if tomorrow is Friday, uh, we've decided we're definitely going to, you know, order from like places in the area, take out to support some local places or whatever. But that's like the only thing that I'm like, okay, I guess it's the weekend. Like, can I can I can I drink like now or wait have I just been drinking this entire time like what what is the what is the situation here with the alcohol that's probably the toughest um the toughest I got I got a timer on my phone like a member of the greatest generation telling me when it's happy hour very nice excellent that's the only way I can keep some semblance of all of the hours just bleeding into one another but on that actually more positive note (laughs) we are gonna end the show, but you should definitely check out another Yahoo podcast because we are still rolling the NFL podcast with Charles Robinson and Therese Paler. Um, We've got the fantasy basketball and the fantasy baseball podcast posted up, and we may have a special announcement next week about the Yahoo fantasy football game. So be sure to come back here and listen to that. In the meantime, you can follow us on all the social handles at Yahoo Fantasy on Twitter, and it's at Yahoo Fantasy Sports on Instagram. I'm at Liz Loza underscore FF on both platforms. And that is at Matt Harmon underscore BYB on both platforms. And we are out. <laughs> <laughs>